The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. And welcome into Market Talk. Thanks for joining us here today on the program. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, and we have plenty to get to on the show today. We are diving right in, not wasting any time. We are going to recap the week in the markets and Friday's market trade action. Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing is our guest analyst. He's going to join us coming up here in segment two and three for a conversation today. Around that, though. I spent time at the National Farm Machinery Show on Thursday and caught up with uh, some of our uh, various partners and friends and uh, learned more about some of the new technology and equipment that was being rolled out during the Farm Machinery Show. First up, we want to learn more about Trimble Agriculture. Here is an interview I had with Corey Books from Trimble during the Farm Machinery Show in Louisville on Thursday. Corey, great to see you, catch up with you, and uh, sure looks like it has been another great farm machinery show here in Louisville, hasn't it, this year? Yeah, it's been great. Lots of uh, traffic in the booth, a lot of people interested in the technology that uh, we're showing, and it's a great learning experience for, for everyone on both sides. Well, I know you guys have a ton of great technology to talk about with Trimble Ag. Give us a refresher real quick for folks who maybe aren't aware or just haven't heard in a while. Can you give us kind of an overview of, you know, who is Trimble Agriculture? What are the things you guys do best? Yeah, Trimble is a uh, is a global precision ag company. Um, and we, we've really made a name for ourselves over a year over the years in the in the guidance and uh, GPS uh, space. Um, we have uh, always been strong in, the, in those types of offerings, and a lot of farmers are using our systems to steer their tractors. Um, over the years, we've expanded into the areas of application control, so rate and section control. Um, we do this with our, with our popular Field IQ proprietary uh, control system, as well as our Mueller Isobus system, which was a company we acquired um, back, in, uh, back in 2017. We're also quite active and have quite a bit to offer, excited to tell you about in our data and connectivity space. So giving farmers the ability uh, to more easily manage their data and ultimately find value in it. Well, we'll talk about the connectivity stuff in a second. I wanna ask you though, I know you guys have a couple different sea and spray platforms on display here at the Farm Machinery Show and you know, going with that precision ag theme, I know a lot of farmers are very interested in seed and spray type of technology. So give us a rundown of uh, what Trimble has to offer. Yeah, sure. Yeah, we, we ultimately see the seed and spray space as really the greatest opportunity in precision ag for a farmer to make money and save money uh, by deploying technology. So we're really all in uh, in this area. We Like you mentioned, we have, have two different offerings. Uh, offerings. One is our, our our current product, which is our Weed Seeker 2, and it's actually the second generation of this system. Um, this system is a green on brown uh, sea and spray system. So basically what it does is it emits a light, uh, it sees the reflection, that reflection's different based on whether um, it's pointing at something green or something brown. And if it's something green, we spray it. Um, ultimately, what this does is it, it enables farmers uh, to save up to 90% on their herbicide application um, by deploying this technology. 
Now the limitation with it though is it's only for green on brown. So you can only use it uh, in a field that doesn't, uh, doesn't have a crop. So maybe pre-emergence or uh, uh, maybe in your burn down at the end of the year uh, going into winter. Uh, our new and, and really exciting uh, addition in, in the lineup here is our bilberry system. Uh, our bilberry system was is, is a company that we acquired in uh, 2022. It's a French company, um, and we're working on taking their technology global. Um, what it is is it's a it's a green on green um, AI camera uh, image recognition based uh, sea and spray system. What that means for the non tech folks is it works just like the, uh, the camera recognition, the face recognition that you sometimes go through at the security line at the airport. Uh, when it sees a plant, uh, it's, got a, it's got a trained AI algorithm that can just determine if that plant is, is a crop or a weed. And if it's a weed, it sprays it. And so similar to our other system, farmers are able to save upwards of 90% on their herbicide application. Fantastic. Well, you mentioned in there kind of some of the AI aspects of, of the Bilberry system. And I think tying that in with connectivity and data, let's talk about that a little bit from Trimble. Obviously, that is a huge talking point right now in agriculture. We have a lot of tools in the toolbox that we can use. So talk about some of the things that you guys are, are looking at when it comes to data, connectivity, and, and really making farmers' lives easier with, with technology. Yeah, absolutely. I'd say that, that, that we would all agree that there's tons of, uh, tons of tools out there in, in, in the ag market when it comes to ag software and data. And a couple of things those tools have in common. One, uh, they all require data to deliver any value. The farmer's got to enter a lot of information in order uh, to get any value out of the tool. Um, the, the thing that, that Trimble has and that can help farmers with is, is ultimately automatically gathering that data. Uh, a lot of that data is sitting on displays in the cab, uh, in the cab of the tractor, and it, it's really the data that you need to feed your agronomic uh, system or to feed your record keeping system to really get into the analysis and, and ultimately find the insights and, and drive to better decision making. So we see our role in the data space as ultimately trying to make uh, the data collection as easy and seamless as possible. Um, our goal is when you go to the field with a Trimble display, it's recording uh, all the necessary data that, that you need and you can focus on getting the job done and at the end of the season you have records that you can use to, to ultimately get value, share with your agronomist, ultimately draw those valuable insights out of. Well, thinking about those valuable insights, you know, another thing we talk about a lot in agriculture right now is the sustainability aspect and being good stewards of our land. And that's what a lot of this technology from Trimble is really uh, working to help farmers with as well, isn't it, Corey? Yeah, absolutely. Since since you bring up sustainability, um, we recently had a had an exciting announcement. Um, we're launching our, our uh, connected climate exchange platform. And really in its most most simple terms, really what it's all about is is pairing those that are interested in paying for sustainability practices um, to offset maybe their own carbon emission or to reach their own uh, sustainability goals. They're willing to pay folks that are, that are taking on uh, those sustainability practices like farmers. So a lot of farmers are already doing no-till, already using section control, already using variable rate. Um, well, guess what? All of those things are things that, that ultimately drive towards sustainability. And what our platform does is, is collects that same data 
and ultimately enables you to keep score. So as a farmer, you can build a scorecard of your sustainable practices. And at the end of the day, we can match you with someone who's willing to pay for that, that, that sustainable uh, practice. And ultimately as a farmer, uh, get you paid with real dollars. Well, that's what it all comes down to. And, of course, if folks want to learn more about Trimble Ag and all the products you guys have, I'm sure, online, a great place to start. Corey, where, where can folks get more information? Yeah, absolutely. So agriculture at Trimble.com is a great place to start. Um, also want to mention we're, uh, our products are distributed through a, a global uh, dealer network. Um, so our uh, independent Vantage dealers um, in your area should be able to, to fix you up and give you all the information and support you need to ultimately get you moving in the right direction. With that, Corey Books with Trimble Agriculture. Thanks for joining us here at the Farm Machinery Show. We appreciate it. Yep, it was a pleasure. Thank you. All right, coming up next, we are going to take a look at the markets. Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing joins us next on Market Talk. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. Stay up to date and listen to past episodes online at markettalkag.com. Now, back to Market Talk with Jesse Allen. Well, as we wrapped up the trade on Friday, soybeans and soybean meal found some decent strength while corn and wheat kind of hung around the doldrums again. I guess in the case of corn, it was mixed on the session. Cattle, though, had a strong day to wrap up the week on Friday. So we have a few positive notes to take away from the week of the trade and from Friday's session. Let's talk about it. Joining us for a conversation, Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing. Dwayne. Good to talk with you again, my friend. Thanks for joining us here on the show today. And um, it's been a tough week, but we found a few nuggets of positivity, right, on Friday? I, I was uh, I was kind of grinning during the intro. I got to be honest, Jesse. I could just hear it in your voice. You and I have talked and, and known each other long enough. I'm like, boy, you are really trying to sugarcoat it. I'm like, hey, we got some positives this today, and the market finished okay. Hey, you're right, we did. But um, – Sadly, I, I mean, the up 10 cents on beans usually would be a good thing. But when I look at a chart for March soybeans, we didn't make a higher high than yesterday. I, I'm sifting and trying to find news because if I'm going to do this interview with you, I want to tell people why it went up 10 cents. And I, I find nothing, really. Mm -hmm. um, I think it was just a short covering bounce after a really crappy week. Yeah, I think the money flow was just good enough into beans and bean meal. Or you said this to me before we went live that, that funds just decided not to sell off soybeans on Friday. That might have been part of it as well. <laughs> because in the broader sense here, Dwayne, you're right. I, I was maybe trying to sugarcoat it a little bit. Things are not good in grains right now, especially the funds just control these markets. It's just they have a chokehold on corn soybeans and wheat right now and it doesn't feel like there's anything that's gonna loosen that grip right now no you're right i mean it, they've been selling it hard and i noticed a little bit of a pattern um in the soybeans now now that i've noticed that it won't happen anymore that's kind of the way the trade works but it seems like the funds on monday and tuesday are not selling soybeans hard and that makes for 
bottom pickers and smaller traders to come in and think, oh, here's the low. I, I'm going to get to pick the low and it rallies up. And then by like either the Tuesday night trade or Wednesday, it seems like they come in full force after, of course, the commitment of traders report retaliation is done and then sell it midweek hard. And today felt like a day where, like you said, they just weren't here to sell it hard. Not that they're they're giving up. Um, we'll find out on the commitment of traders report. But I think these funds have got to go massively short these markets, sadly. Um, they have to stop selling before we can start talking about a bottom. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's very, very true because I know some people have been asking, well, where is the bottom and trying to call a bottom here? And, you know, I've heard a few people say, well, maybe we need to get a three on corn and things like that. But I think in this environment, it's so oversold. I don't know if we really can pick a bottom here. I mean, we could look at charts, I'm sure, and, and make a best guess. But right. I don't know if we can pick a bottom in this environment, Dwayne. No, I, I like what you're getting at there. It, it's chart support. I mean, we're looking back way on continuous charts now, right? So it's not yeah. like it's big time solid support or a contract low or something like we're looking at in beans. Um, yeah, I mentioned the $3. Uh, maybe we got to get below there and put a $3 print, $3.99, $3.98. I'm just throwing a number out there, though. For me, it's more getting to the point of being emotional. Um, you know, that I, I think you have to flush all the bulls out of a market and get everyone bearish. And when everyone's bearish and nobody's bullish anymore, there's your low. And we won't know that till afterwards, of course. You know, Otherwise, that'd be some genius, and you and I would not be talking from a pickup in a small <laughs> office. We'd be talking from an island somewhere. But um, you, you get my point. I, I, think, yeah. I think that's what's got to happen here. Um, and there's still bulls out there in the corn market, but it is starting to flip. And, and I'm just talking from experience. Um, it just seems like that's where the algos trade against us. And once everyone's bearish and given up, then we'll see a low. But, you know, even when we find a low, it doesn't mean we're going to go skyrocketing higher and make a nice upward trend. I, I think sideways to, you know, maybe it's four to four or 30 back and forth is what corn trades until we have a weather problem in the United States. Or a weather problem with Safrina corn in Brazil. I mean, that's right. the other thing, too, because right now the weather in South America is good. Uh, there, There isn't really a story yet. There's been some chatter there could be, but as of right now, this moment, there's not a weather story in South America, it seems. I'm quite, I, right. You know, they were short moisture early, but recently... <sighs> It's all good. For example, this morning, you know, I was kind of watching Southern Brazil, Paraná okay. area. I was like, man, they, they've been dry lately. You know, just watching the maps. I'm not there. And all of a sudden this morning, that's the spot that in the, you know, 6 to 10, 8 to 14, 8 forecast hits heavy rain. I'm like, man, we just can't, <laughs> can't get a drought area going there. And now, yes, I'm making it sound like I'm cheering for a drought in South America. And yeah, the farmer in me, of course it does a little bit. Um, Argentina is going to get a little dry again, but boy, they're crop conditions and soil moisture levels just went up a lot this week. I mean, that was a big rain week for them. And yeah, big crops down there. You're right. The Safrina corn crop is just being planted now. Um, so mm -hmm. we should have a whole weather scare there yet. But when you look out in the 6 to 10, 8 to 14, even the 15 days out, it's just like, ah, there isn't anything in the forecast to get this market excited or these bearish funds out of their short positions. Well, and adding to the bearish way, too, we got those USDA Ag Outlook Forum numbers yeah. Thursday. I mean, they were pretty much in line with expectations, but again, they confirmed some, some big carryouts and expected big planted acreage, things like that. I mean, you know, yeah. for the most part, that just piled on to the bearishness here in these markets. But I think it, it brings up the question of, we've talked about this before, I think that acreage debate is going to start to 
become mm-hmm. a little more hotly contested now that we have some of these baseline numbers out there in the market. Yeah, I think so too. In one way, it's you know, if we're going to be bearish like this, let's just rip the bandaid off and get it over with. And yeah, you know, that outlook form a lot of times does that, right? Because if, if you're trying to project something right now, you, you do project a trend line yield and in mediocre growth and demand. And so I, I have no problem with the numbers they threw out there. Uh, one thing that did stand out to me, though, it just points at the bearishness of corn. You, you lose close to 4 million acres and our ending stocks still go up 400 million bushels. That's like, a good point. Uh, that's that's not good. Um, but I'll say this too. I, I, I think they're too low on demand. Our exports have been really good lately. You know, Never going to be good enough for us to have to ration demand, but lower prices are curing low prices. The thing is we have to stay low to get the export demand to stay there too. So yeah, we, we're probably here to stay, like I said, range bound, but yeah, the outlook form always is bearish and it, let's get it out of the way. And now let's start talking about real things. Like what if we don't plant all those acres, right? Like for soybeans, mm-hmm. you're, you're gaining 4 million acres and your ending stock is only increasing 120. Jeez. What if you only gain 1 million, you know, for some reason, whether it's prevent plant or whatnot. So then all of a sudden soybeans can be tight. So I'm still pretty friendly new crop soybeans, I guess. And I know I'm supposed to tell you that, you know, I did proper risk management and all my guys are hedged on new crop corn and soybeans. And I would be flat out lying. <laughs> Just if I, told you that. I, I held people off and maybe, well, I know that was a mistake right now, but when I look now at these prices, even though I'm bearish short term, I just don't like selling new crop beans when I know 4 million acre gain only gains us 120 in ending stocks. And I think demand mm-hmm. could be even off there. It could be less than that. So better days are to come. It's just, it's just not today. Sorry. No. Well, and to that point with, you know, new crop corn beans or even you know, old crop. I mean, there's, if people are still hanging on to any old crop, it's, it's just a tough conversation all around in this window in terms of what to do with, with your marketing right now. It's just, it's, it's mm-hmm. not easy to have that discussion. Is it Dwayne? No, it's not. Usually the discussion ends with some curse words thrown my way. No, it's, <laughs> it's really not that bad here. We, we did a very good job of hedging on the board this year, and then we were holding supplies looking for better basis. And so, yeah, now we're snowballing on us a little bit. It is a tough conversation because the basis isn't improving either with these lower prices, which just means even more proof that this crop is big um, that we just had. So there'll be better days. You get a pop. Um, pops are meant to be sold. You got to go out to the July carry if you've got good corn in good condition in your bins and just capture that and and realize that once it's sold, it doesn't mean you're done with a marketing year. You know, if Safrina starts to get dry and hot, which could obviously happen, or, you know, look at the drought monitor. The only state that's really in trouble right now, according to that, is Iowa. Well, that's a pretty key state, as you well know. So, you know, something will happen. You can always buy it back if we rally into that. Well, once again, we are talking with Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing here today on Market Talk. Dwayne, we're going to have him uh, stick with us here. We're going to talk more in segment three. Let's get a look at some of the closes from Friday's session real quick. Soybeans were the star. March beans up 10, 11.72 and a quarter. New crop November soybeans, they were up seven to three quarters, 11.48 and a half. Soybean meal, March up 6.10 a ton, 3.45.60. Soybean oil for March down 41 points, 45.59. March corn down one and a quarter, 416 and a half. December new crop corn, two higher, 458 and three quarters. March Chicago wheat, six and a half lower, 560 and a half. July down eight and a quarter, 561 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat, March down eight and a half, 567 and a quarter. July down eight and a quarter, 555 and a quarter. 
Spring wheat, March, three and a quarter lower, 654 and three quarters. July down three and a quarter, 659 and a half. Oats for March, one higher, 383 and a quarter. Livestock trade, live cattle February up 137, 184.77. April live cattle up 195, 187.55. Feeder cattle March up 392, 251.02. April up 332, 253.55. April hogs up 22, 85.22. May hogs unchanged, 88.85. We'll be back with more here on Market Talk with Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing on the way right after the break. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. The views and opinions of this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers. There is substantial risk of loss in trading futures and options, which you should carefully consider prior to trading. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. We are having a conversation today with Dwayne Bussey from Bolt Marketing here on Market Talk. Dwayne. Uh, the wheat trade, real quick, uh, was kind of the loser of the grains, but it's a lot of the same sentiments there, that cheap Russian wheat, things like that, dollar mm -hmm. having an impact, of course. And, I mean, that that can maybe even bring in the economic uh, part of the discussion with that hotter-than-expected inflation data, you know, between CPI and PPI all week. I, so, I mean, in terms of wheat, such a global market, it just feels like wheat's kind of stuck turning around at these levels right now, mm -hmm. Dwayne. Yeah, it sure is. You know, we've said it time and time again, our domestic supplies are fairly tight. Um, but if no one's going to buy it from us, then yep. being tight doesn't matter. And and there's too many other countries that are cheaper than us, Russia, Ukraine, both. And they make it sound like it's a fire sale getting their wheat out of their country. They don't care what price, just get rid of it. And well, how do we compete with that other than going lower? And you know, Chicago wheat was odd for a little while this week. You know, it it was holding in a sideways trend near the 20-day moving averages. And I was like, geez, maybe we've made a low here while Minneapolis and Kansas City were already at their lows. Oh, in the last three days just took care of that. Uh, Chicago went right down at lows here into the close today. And yeah, sorry, same story, just different day. I, I, we're too high priced to get more, more export demand. And, you know, outlook form doesn't help. That has us increasing the ending stocks, of course. But uh, Long summer in front of us. We'll see how this winter wheat crop comes out of uh, dormancy, and maybe we can get a weather scare then. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, something to keep an eye on there. But just it just feels like the over. I've used the term commodity deflation a lot this week. Is kind of continuing in these markets, yeah. and and the other term I've 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 started to use a little bit more. I like it. Uh, well, I don't like it, but <laughs> I like saying it. Feed the bear. To your point about low prices curing low yeah. prices, it almost feels like we got to feed this bear too much to try yeah. and turn this market around. Would you say so in grains across oh, the board? Absolutely. No, I mean, and the funds are going to get heavily short and they push it too far. That's just what the markets do. Um, as producers, somehow we we hate this side of it, but we, but we are totally okay when we're swinging it too far the bullish side. <laughs> and, you know, look at the cattle market last year. Um, 
you know, when the funds sold it, everyone was hateful and we didn't like the funds, but I'm like, well, they did push us all the way up to these new highs. So no, you're right. We, we got to just keep feeding the bear. Um, yeah. I, like I said, rip the bandaid off. Let it get down. Uh, for March soybeans, I'm really looking at 11.45. That's a contract low. It's the only contract, only commodity that hasn't gotten down to the contract lows. And with Brazil's crop size, sure, maybe it's smaller than we first estimated, but Argentina's, we're still going to be over 2 million metric ton from there. So let's just get down to 11.45 where maybe South America isn't making as much money either. And, and then we can start to regrain, make a base and... <laughs> go into the new crop year. <laughs> Good thoughts. Well, hey, you me you mentioned the word cattle. Cattle's at least the brighter spots. And uh, really, Friday, too, had a strong day again, led by feeders, uh, but fats with some triple-digit gains. So, I mean, yeah. talk to me about this cattle market, Dwayne. I know you've been watching some things here this past week throughout mm -hmm. the cattle trade and, and watching this market. So let's dive in on the cattle side. What are some things we need to be looking at, thinking about right now? Yeah, it was a great day. Great way to finish the cattle market this week. We had a pullback in prices, right? And I think that goes back to what you mentioned earlier, the CPI numbers, you know, inflation still mm -hmm. here. We had kind of money flow leave. I don't even know if they left the cattle market. Those funds that were buying, you know, the opposite of the soybean market, they just paused for a little while. And that opened the doors for the technical traders to be like, this market is so overbought, it should come down. And as they sell, if no one's there to buy it, it just leaks lower and lower. You know, March feeders could have went to 241, which is kind of the upward trend and where the 20-day moving average and still been in a bull market. Um, you know, we, we've been bullish and buying that market. And luckily today that paid off because we finally jumped up. And, you know, it's not like I had really different news today than yesterday. I mean, cash cattle trade, for the most part this week, looks like it's going to finish up around steady money, which mm -hmm. I call a little bit disappointment, but you can tell, I think the trades are already thinking for next week. Cutouts strong yesterday. If they close where they're at at midday today, that's like the highest since early uh, January. So the demand doesn't seem to be going away. Look at the choice select spread. Uh, select is yeah. skyrocketing up and catching uh, choice. So this isn't a you know, we're getting too high priced on the pricier meats. I mean, pretty soon select's going to be the same as choice, so it won't matter. Hamburger's going to get expensive. So I think there's more to come. I'm rambling like I always do with you, but I, I think there's a lot more to come in the cattle market. <laughs> well, I wonder in this window, I mean, risk management in cattle, should we be thinking about some hedging here and protecting our, our downside risks some puts you know, lockets of floors in potentially yeah. here just because – you know, what if something happens? What if the sticky inflation data is just too much for this cattle market? Mm -hmm. Or if, you know, export demand for the week wasn't great. So, no. I mean, there's there's some there's some few negative things that could affect cattle out here. So am I am I, you know, not taking the chance at this point and, and trying to lock in some floors in cattle? It's, it's funny you mentioned that, you know, you know, what's really hard to do is to get producers to hedge when the bull, uh, broker says how bullish he is a statement. Before. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like, oh, I might as well wait till the highs. And, and I understand that. But no, it, it's starting to happen in this office here. And I'm proud of the guys for doing it. Um, you know, I got some guys looking at like all the way out to April 25. It's at 192. Okay. You know, we talked about. If I sell the board there, how much is that going to hurt me? And, you know, that's, you know, sometimes famous last words. But I honestly, the answer is not a lot, I don't think. I think we're getting close enough because we've got, you know, as fun as it is watching the nearby's rally, 
look at those deferred contracts. I mean, the same in feeders. We're 251 on the nearby. We're 268 out in November. Um, man, those are great prices. No, I, at any point in time, I'm okay with uh, buying some LRP, selling the board, buying some puts. You know, if, if you want upside, do you do the puts in the LRP type thing? But yeah, no. If if we have inflation, if the economy is going to struggle, what do you think will get hit the hardest? And, and it'll be the cattle market. Like I said, my only caveat is I, I think the funds, and you'll see on the commitment traders report, they're not anywhere near the length they were last year when they were long record contracts. Mm -hmm. I, I think there's more to come, but man, like I said, I say that, I almost feel like, don't listen to me, just do some risk management out there, because that's a big capital investment in any of these cattle pins anymore. Yeah, very, very true. Very, very true. Uh, hogs, that market looks a lot healthier than it did beginning of the year, in, in my opinion. I mean, 80s and 90s, you know, yeah. there are cases, some of those deferred contracts, summer months, I mean, 98s in July and August. So, you know, hogs, uh, pork cutout value has been looking pretty, Better. pretty supportive. Weekly export sales were really strong on hogs. So, I mean, there's some. I think there's some positive notes here in the hog market, too. Maybe not as exciting as cattle, but I think hogs are looking all right in this window. What do you think? Absolutely. It kind of surprised me, too. You know, all December we talked about the huge supplies and burdensome supplies, and China was liquidating their herd because they have too much pork, right? It was just, it's funny, typical China, right? They say that, but the whole time they were buying some pork from us. And you're right, this week they bought quite a bit of pork from us. You combine them in Mexico, and then we're over 70 million metric ton for it. It's like, whoa, what a. What a sale there. So that's great. Um, even when China was on a holiday, they did that. So interesting. Um, demand is obviously better than anticipated. And our supplies are supposed to start dwindling as we go into spring. So yeah, you, like you said, you look at those summer months, you know, knock on wood, and I don't want to jinx it, but we might have 100 out there pretty soon. And then guys probably need to do the same thing, start looking at hedging and protecting that. Uh, April struggled with that $86 mark. Mm -hmm. And we didn't bust through it today, but we sure didn't have a big profit taking off of it like I thought we were going to either. So this market looks strong to me. I don't know a lot about the hog market, but I can look at a chart and tell you, looks like a strong, good market here. Well, let's uh, wrap up our conversation here today. And, uh, you know, good thoughts. Uh, always great to talk with you and kind of just chat through what we're seeing in these markets today. And uh, mm -hmm. final thoughts for folks. I mean, what do you want to say? Reiterate to them. I know there's a lot of tough, like we said, a lot of tough conversations that have to be had. So, yeah. you know, give us some wisdom. What do you think we need to think about right now? Well, I, you know, hey, if it does bug you that the cash prices and that, there, there's nothing wrong with, you know, letting it go and just buying it back later, you know, just wipe the slate clean. But, you know, when I look at spreadsheets for new crop, we're starting to get in that negative territory, right, for returns. Um we got to grow this crop yet, Jesse. Uh, I, I'm not always the bull, I, but man, weather scares can happen. And when you got the funds, what I think will eventually be record short corn and soybeans, even a little weather scare could really pop this market. So don't be all doom and gloom. Just shut the screen off for the three-day weekend. Maybe look at some spreadsheets later. You know, have those targets in place. Because you and I talked last time about when we have that rally this spring, we need to sell it. Absolutely. So, but yeah, be positive. Be positive. That's a good way to wrap it up here today. Uh, Dwayne, if folks want to reach out to you, ask some questions and maybe get some advice there, work with you potentially at Bolt Marketing, mm -hmm. how can they get a hold of you, Dwayne? Yeah, they can call us here directly, 605-448-2365, or they can check us out online at boltmarketingllc.com. 
Dwayne Bussey with Bolt Marketing. Always good to chat with you, my friend. Thanks for joining us on Market Talk, and we will talk to you again real soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jesse. Once again, Dwayne Bussey there with Bolt Marketing joining us here today on Market Talk. Great conversation, as always. Uh, really, really good thoughts and things to think about as we were talking about. Really, uh, there's no easy conversation, I don't think, in this window. Just with the way these markets are looking, a lot of folks, if you did not take advantage, you know, uh, when prices were a bit higher here, probably scratching your head, probably not happy. It's just going to be a matter of uh, smart marketing in this window and uh, really uh, just having some honest conversations, I think, with yourself in terms of what you are doing or what you need to do in terms of your marketing plan. And I think uh, not having a plan in this window is not a good idea. Uh, I think I'll kind of throw that in there to uh, echo that along with uh, what we talked about with Dwayne Bussey here today on the show. All right, coming up next on Market Talk before we run out of time. Again, I spent time at the National Farm Machinery Show on Thursday and saw a lot of awesome new equipment. We're going to hear about some more of that, including a new combine from Case IH. We're going to talk about that on the way next before we wrap it up here on Market Talk. Back with more right after the break. Make sure to subscribe to the Market Talk YouTube channel. You can watch our latest interviews with top market analysts in the country, find bonus content, and much more. It's easy. Just go to youtube.com slash at Market Talk Egg and hit the subscribe button. Or you can search for Market Talk Egg on YouTube. If you miss an episode of Market Talk, you can listen back to the show anytime. Just search for Market Talk on your podcast platform of choice, and you can hear past episodes of the program on demand. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. Again, I spent time with the National Farm Machinery Show here this past week and saw the brand new combine out from Case IH. A lot of people were taking time to stop and look and take pictures of that piece of equipment. We learn more about it right now here on the show as I had a conversation with Leo Bose from Case IH. We're talking about the new AF11 Combine from Case IH on display here at the show this year in Louisville. Leo, thanks for the time. We're standing next to this bad boy. What an impressive machine you guys got here, Leo. Yeah, if I could paint the picture for your listeners right now, right? The AF11 is a new entry into that Class 10 Plus segment. So it's all built around capacity, technology, and ultimate runtime. AF11 delivers on those. Well, let's talk about some of the features here. Let's go a little bit deeper dive into this new combine. What are some of the updates, some of the cool things that you guys have put onto this combine that growers are, are gonna be excited about? Yeah, it's really been a journey for our engineering product development team. When you look at what this combine has, just on total capacities, 567 bushel grain tank capacity, unload at six bushel per second unload rate. So that means about 100 seconds I get that unloaded. So 775 horsepower, but built from the ground up. Actually, the wheelbase is stretched out. We call it from header to spreader, new technologies, right? Feeder area allows us to synchronize that feeding from that feeder to the rotor. We get into that rotor, dual rotor technology to 224 inch, a whole new cleaning system. We actually have cleaning system automation. Cleaning system automation now allows us to take where we had in the past three sieves, we now have a total of four sieves, and we actively and dynamically shake that cleaning system to provide the cleanest sample. But you know, going up to that grain tank, we've got a 10,000 bushel an hour 
elevator so we can expand capacity. That's not what the machine will do, but you can see kind of we're just built for that capacity. But then as we get to the back of the machine residue, we have radar spread automation. So now I manually had to maybe adjust that in the past in the cab. Now we use radar to actually make that adjustment. So whether I have thinning crop, thicker crop, it allows it to automatically spread. So we got even distribution for next crop season already in this season. I think about that increased capacity you mentioned and just all the different pieces of technology. I mean, you know, it's no secret we've expanded our production. A lot of our farmers have a lot more acreage to cover. They are working all hours of the day, working fast. So I think being able to get a little bit more done with a bigger machine could be very beneficial, right? Yeah, I think it, it's reimagining maybe what a producer could do. If they're running four to five machines or five to six or pick maybe three to four, they could maybe look at maybe downsizing with a larger size machine. So you hit it on the head as labor, logistics, you know, trying to get that crop from the field. So maybe I add an additional truck driver that maybe that was, you know, running the combine. So, you know, total cost of ownership is really focused for us as well. And this machine really delivers on it. We actually take an engine RPM, for example, 2100 rpm we bring it down to 1900 rpm for harvesting so simple 200 rpm doesn't seem like a lot but it really helps in saving on fuel well talk about obviously the af11 available now folks can learn more go to their local dealer online give us those details leo yeah, great question. So we'll have limited units running out for this season, 2024. So this summer, if customers want to go into the dealership, in fact, they can go to the dealership now. They can find out more information about the AF11. And about this summer, we'll go through what we call our order writing program, available then for season 2024. But caseih.com is a great spot to go for additional information for the AF11 series. Fantastic. Leo, any other final thoughts, anything we haven't covered or anything you want to reiterate to folks listening in about the new AF11 from Case IH? Oh, we're really focused on our rotary leadership and this combine over 47 years is what we call now the pinnacle of getting us to that larger capacity. So we talked about the technology, but then also that runtime. So delivering on that and, you know, go out and check it out on CaseIH.com. Leo Bowes with Case IH. Thanks for joining us here at the National Farm Machinery Show. Appreciate the time. You bet, Jesse. Also at the Farm Machinery Show, got a chance to talk with Luke Weller from Agco. Some new products they have on the hay side. Here is that interview. Luke, good to talk with you. And uh, seems like show's been uh, pretty good so far this year. Hope it's uh, hope it's been going well. Yeah, this this year has been super exciting. Couple product launches for us, but. One specifically here, right behind me, is our Simply Bale product. Uh, this is a retrofittable kit available through Agco Parts to update your 1800 series small square baler. Let's talk about that a little bit more in depth. What are some of the features with the add-on for Simply Bale to your small square balers? What are what are things that uh, growers are going to be excited about with this add-on? Absolutely. So growers are very very excited about now getting large square baler features in their small square baler now. Things like flake count, bale length, bale weight, controlling that bale weight from the cab, and just being able to see things from the cab that normally they never were able to see. So small square balers haven't come a long way in terms of electronics and uh, you know things from the cab that they can they can do quite frankly and so this is really exciting for us to kind of give better tools to these operators to not not only make operators work 
you know, less hard in the cab, but also to help train more inexperienced operators easily. Well, and I think just the amount of technology that has come available in the last 10 years, 20 years in agriculture, to your point, making farmers' jobs and ranchers' jobs easier on the farm with technology like the Simply Bill add-on, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, this is something that AGCO is really trying to strive for with, with this retrofit mentality is, you know, you can go update your existing baler that you have on the farm today and, and, you know, reduce your investment, but still get all of these big features that you've been wanting for years. So really exciting for us and, you know, just really, really glad to see some of this technology come into this part of the, uh, the, the hay world, really. If folks want to learn more about the Simply Bail add-on from Agco, I'm sure online or local dealer, a lot of great ways to get in touch and learn more, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way is to go into your local Massey Ferguson or Agco dealer, and it's available through Agco Parts. So um, ask your normal parts guy, and he can help you get to the get to the answers. Fantastic, Luke. Appreciate a few minutes of your time here at the Farm Machinery Show. Thanks for joining us. You bet. Thanks for the time. Once again, Luke Weller there with Agco. Talk to him at the National Farm Machinery Show. Before that, Leo Bowes with Case IH. We'll be sharing some more updates from the Farm Machinery Show here as we have future episodes of Market Talk. But we are out of time today. Thanks, as always, for joining us and letting us talk about the markets and more. Have a great rest of your day. I'm Jesse Allen. Thanks for listening to Market Talk.